two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? From Newton, Massachusetts, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host. They call her Deborah Gold Goldstein? Yep, they do. Deborah Goldstein. <laughs> Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the astronomical chromatic spectroscopy of truth and the distorted spherical aberration of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for live in-studio audience. Lisa, where are you? Th- that's odd. He was just hey, here a minute. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Hold on. Sorry. Hey, sorry I'm late. Sorry about that. Where did you go? You were just here for the sound check. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that, Deborah. I uh, forgot that I uh, had to take the soda can out of the freezer. But now it's been 72 hours, so I think it's ready. Ready? You left it in the freezer for 72 hours? It's probably frozen now. Yep, nothing like a soda popsicle. I ate the whole thing, can and all. Oh, pardon me. Oh, my. And now I have a uh, listener question to play, but first... (laughs) Pardon me. Okay. uh, (laughs) Oh, great. Let's hear it, please. Hi, I'm Spencer. And hi, I'm Evelyn. And we want to know if robots can eat Christmas cookies. Thanks. Thanks. I am so glad you asked, Evelyn and Spencer. I was just thinking to myself, self, that's what I call myself. I said, (laughs) who was going to bake Christmas cookies for me this year? And now I know that I can count on Evelyn and Spencer to bake them for me. So just to let you know, I especially like the kind that are decorated. They look like ornaments. They have lots of icing and sprinkles on them. So that would be great. Okay, hang on, Lisa, hang on. They didn't offer to bake you Christmas cookies. They just wanted to know if you can eat them, I guess because you're a robot and you have very specific tastes and and digestive, uh, you know. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, okay, yes. But taking the conversation to its logical and inevitable conclusion, Evelyn and Spencer are clearly asking so that they don't go to the trouble of baking Christmas cookies for me if I'm not going to eat them. And since I can and will eat them and may have already eaten them, <laughs> the only thoughtful thing to do would be to tell them exactly what kind I like to eat. So... Kids, you can send about two dozen, three dozen Christmas cookies <laughs> decorated like ornaments to Lisa and care of Gen Z Media at Post Office Box 45. No, no, so- no, 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 no. Evelyn and Spencer, you do not have to send Lisa Christmas cookies. Lisa, you and I can do some baking this year, okay? And we'll make our own, yeah? Bad, Deborah. Oh, <laughs> we were going to get free cookies. No, 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 no. Please do not ask listeners to make buy, or give you things. Their support is gift enough, and we appreciate all of them for tuning in. Yeah, a bunch. (laughs) But I'm just, and it's not for me, Deborah. I'm just thinking Mm -hmm. about them. They were Uh really excited to make them, and you've Uh ruined it. 
I think they'll understand. Okay, so now I'd love for all of our listeners to understand how our game works. Can you help them with that, please? Okay, I don't know what my motivation is anymore, but fine. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it out of the goodness of my mechanical heart and without expectations of a single Christmas cookie or two to three dozen. I (laughs) will explain how our game works every week. We bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert. The other is a liar. They give me cookies. And it's the job of a human child to help (laughs) us figure out who is who because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. What are we lying about today, Deborah? We are lying about telescopes, instruments that allow people to see distant objects. And we're going to learn all about telescopes along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Elisa? Our human child contestant is an eight-year-old who loves building with architecture Lego sets, Connor Alone. Welcome, Connor. How are you? Good. Great. Tell us about these architecture sets. What do they look like? So they're basically Lego sets, and if you build them correctly, they look like different cities or landmarks, uh, like the Statue of Liberty ooh. or the Taj Mahal. Wow, super cool. How long does it take you to build one of those? It actually depends because some have around 100 pieces, Whoa. and my biggest one, the Taj Mahal, has 2,022 pieces. Wow. Whoa. Very cool. I love it. Well, we are going to learn some more fun facts about you, Connor, but we are going to do it playing our game, Two Truths and a Lie. You, Connor, are going to share with us three things. Two of those things will be true, one will be a lie, and we have to figure out which one is the lie, and how good of a liar you are. So, in no particular order, tell us your two truths and one lie. I've been stung by a jellyfish, I have my own website, and I rode on a horse at my friend's birthday party. Okay, I hope he wasn't stung by a jellyfish, but it would be a good lie though, right, Lisa? Yeah, it would be a good lie, but sadly it is not a lie, it is true, because it's pretty obvious what happened here. Uh huh. He was at a birthday party, his friend's birthday party. Uh huh. Suddenly there was a jellyfish and said, Hey, do you know where the bathroom was? And then Connor didn't know how to speak jellyfish, and then the jellyfish got mad and then stung him. (gasps) And then Connor's friend said, oh, no, let's get out of here. But they said, how are we going to outrun a jellyfish? And Connor's (laughs) friend said, oh, we could use my dad's horse. And then they (laughs) rode on the horse, and then they got out of there. And then later, they were looking up in a jellyfish dictionary, and Connor felt bad. He was like, oh, that jellyfish just wanted to use the bathroom, but it still does have anger issues. Uh, So anyway, the website's the lie. Thank you. (laughs) What a great story. I was imagining all of that happening right before my eyes, and it was super fun. Okay, let's see if that is correct. Connor, which of those things is actually a lie? The why is I've been stung by a jellyfish. Oh, I'm so oh. glad that was a lie. Wow. Oh my gosh. Incorrect, Lisa. Incorrect. That's very weird. It is, but good. I'm so glad. So that means that you have ridden on a horse at your friend's birthday party? Yes. Oh, I know what it was. Was it to get away from your website? <laughs> no. It was for fun. Oh, just oh, for fun. I remember fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that means that you do have your own website, Connor? 
Tell me about it. It's called CoolSeaCreatures.com. And so what are we going to find on that website? Mostly cool facts about sea creatures, like the name of the website says. Right, I should have guessed, right. When I get older, I want to be a marine biologist. Wow, cool. Well, the sea is a super cool place, and so is space. And I mention that because we are going to learn more about space and how to look at it with telescopes. Do you know much about telescopes, Connor? Yeah, I did a lot of research. Oh, good. All right. Watch out, Fibber, whoever you are. So let's meet our telescopes experts. Lisa, would you mind playing some welcome music for our telescopes experts? Sure. Oh, come on in, but don't stand too close, cause I'm using a telescope. You would know that if you're an expert, that's all of the song I wrote so far. (laughs) Nice one. All right, let's meet our first expert, Levi Scudder. Levi, please introduce yourself to Connor. Hey, Connor. My name is Levi. I'm the Visitor Experience Associate at Lowell Observatory in Arizona. Cool. Okay, thank you very much. Our next expert is Patty Boyd. Patty, please introduce yourself to Connor. Hi, Connor. My name is Patty, and I'm an astrophysicist at NASA. Okay. I hear the sound waves of something special. Well, I'm transmitting the sound waves of hot seat time. Yay, it's hot seat time. And that's when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Connor's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Patty Boyd, because I am a Boyd watcher. (laughs) (laughs) Do you use a telescope? I do, yeah. You Two do. of them together. Okay. <laughs> okay, binoculars perhaps. Very good. All right, so Connor, what is your first question for Patty? What is a typical day at your job? So at NASA, we do astrophysics using telescopes in space. So I don't actually go to visit a telescope to sit there and look through the eyepiece and look at the data, but I do go to my office and start logging into computers. So we have teams from all over the world and we communicate with each other remotely. So we email, we get on Zoom and Teams, and then we grab our data off the internet and make plots and talk to each other about what we're seeing. Wow. You just talk about the things that you are looking at every day in space, right? Well, we can easily get data either from an archive, which means that data was taken in space on another day, or if we're lucky and we have some observations coming to us that day, then we will definitely be looking at brand new data as soon as it's available. And these data are either pictures, which we call images, or they're graphs, which we sometimes call spectra. Ooh, spectra. Okay, very cool. Now, Connor, would you like Levi to answer the same question? or Yes. Okay, so Levi, go ahead. My job looks kind of different every day. My job is to be at the observatory and teach people all about telescopes, all about stars. So when I usually get in, I see what tours are available that day. It could be uh, families who are coming in. It could be a group of kids like you who are coming in with their school. And it's up to me to impart my passion about stars and space to them. 
Also, while I'm going throughout the day, I, I have to make sure that all the machinery is working correctly, that, you know, if we have any displays or telescopes set up, that they're not broken because, you know, who wants to go to an observatory where, you know, things are broken? And a little bit less glorious is uh, we do have to clean up after ourselves. You know, we uh, so like, well, more so cleaning up after other people. So if people are messy and leaving paper towels all over the place or leaving empty drink mm -hmm. cups, it's my job to take care of that if I see it too. Fair enough. Very good. A clean shop. I like it. Okay, Connor, back to you. Levi, tell me about the different types of telescopes. So there are a few different types of telescopes. Some of them are based on where they're located. We have telescopes that are on the ground, and they observe light that is visible within our atmosphere. Uh, but we also have telescopes that are in space, and they're more for observing light spectrums that don't pass through our atmosphere. And there are some telescopes that... You could set one up in your bedroom or, or have one a little larger than that, like we have at the observatory, to look out and stargaze. But, you know, there are ones that are as large as school buses Whoa. that are out in space that are able to look at all different types of spectrums of light. Very cool. Thank you. Okay, Connor, next question. For both of you, tell me about important times in telescope history. Well, of course, the first important time in telescope history is when Galileo used his telescope for the very first time. He changed the way we could see the night sky from what you're able to see with your own eyes or naked eye astronomy to something that we could actually magnify those objects with. So that was a huge leap. But another really important leap was when we were able to get telescopes above Earth's atmosphere and out into space. Because the atmosphere acts kind of like a soupy bath that we're in, and it actually makes the images in telescopes kind of wander around or wiggle. So we had to get above the atmosphere to get the clearest images that we could. And of course, on Christmas Day last year, we had another fantastic milestone. That was the day that the James Webb Space Telescope was launched out into space and it took a long journey. And it's now a million miles away from Earth, four times further than the full moon. So those are my three favorite milestones in telescopes. I'm really sorry, but while Patty is absolutely right, Galileo is credited with the modern telescope as we know it. A few years before, the first patent that was actually put in was by a German scientist named Hans Lippershey, and that was for the first patent to the telescope. He didn't get it, so obviously my guy Galileo takes a lot of the credit but yeah, Hans Lippershey is actually one of the first people known to apply for that patent. And even then, there are other people who, you know, some people think that it was a few kids using a couple of lenses who used it. So, um, mm. so yeah, I just wanted to mention that before mm -hmm, Galileo mm -hmm. continues to take all the credit. And I love mm. that you mentioned the James Webb Telescope. We're actually making history now. It discovered a dwarf galaxy within the past week. Whoa. So, yeah, there's, it's awesome that you said that. Wow. My mind is blown. Those were some great questions, Connor, and fascinating answers. Loved it. I also think it's really cool that that guy named James went into space with a telescope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a really big suitcase, let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would have to pack so much stuff. Yeah, well, the telescope, you know. But also, there's no bagel stores there, so he'd have to bring bagels and then a bagel slicer. Yeah, it's mm, complicated. Right. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Okay. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling. And the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you love the Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Connor will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for the next expert to do the same. Experts, you'll have to answer quickly, so no time for stargazing. All right, Connor, we're going to start with Levi, and you can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. Who invented the first telescope in 1608? Hans Lippershey. How many lenses does a refracting telescope use? Anywhere from two to six. What type of telescope uses mirrors instead of lenses? A reflective telescope. Name a type of light that telescopes study but we cannot see. Omega waves. Who invented the radio telescope to detect radio waves? I think it was Hans Gruber. Factor Fib, the world's largest infrared telescope, will be called the Extremely Large Telescope. 
It's the working title. Hopefully it won't be called that. I'm going to say fib. Which observatory in Chicago is known as the birthplace of modern astrophysics? The Yerkes Observatory. What is the scientific term to describe the smearing of colors by telescope lenses? Linear infrared spectrum anomalies, also known as LISAs. So that's for you, Lisa. <laughs> and time. Whoa, I made it. I'm famous. <laughs> Very good. Lisa, could you please reset the timer? I'm famous. You do it. I beg your pardon. Okay, fine. I'll do it, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're right. I got too big for myself. (laughs) Okay, very good. All right, Connie, you ready? You're going to ask your shorts on fire questions for Patty now. What do you call the largest lens in the refracting telescope? The primary lens. The bigger the mirrors and lenses in telescopes are, the more we can gather what? Light. Who suggested that there should be a telescope in space in 1946 and is now known as the father of the Hubble telescope? That would be Lyman Spitzer. Name a kind of light blocked by Earth's atmosphere. Ultraviolet light. What space telescope can stare at the same section of the sky for a long time to see teeny planets orbiting other stars? The Transiting Exoplanet Survey, TESS. How fast does the Hubble Space Telescope travel around Earth? Five miles a second. How far away from Earth is the James Webb Telescope? About a million miles away from Earth. Factor Fib, can we see black holes using special telescopes? Yes. Okay, time. Time, that's all the time. Very good. Excellent job. It's decision time. Connor must really focus on all the information he's heard today. Connor, who is our big telescope fibber? I think it's Patty. Why do you think Patty is our fibber? Because when I asked, name one kind of light that is blocked by Earth's atmosphere, Mm -hmm. she said ultraviolet light, and I'm pretty sure we wear sunscreen so ultraviolet light doesn't get to our skin. Okay, let's find out. All right. Will the actual telescope expert please say, I am the telescope's expert? I am the telescope's expert. Oh, yes, it is true. Patty Boyd is chief of the Exoplanets and Stellar Astrophysics Laboratory in the Astrophysics Science Division at NASA and the project scientist for the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, or TESS, mission. That is very impressive. Wow. Super cool. Sorry about that, Connor. So, Patty, first, let's address Connor's comment about ultraviolet rays. What do you have to say about that? So, it's definitely true that there are some little windows in our atmosphere that will let light in the ultraviolet pass through that is dangerous to us, and that is why we wear sunscreen. But there are also large regions of the electromagnetic spectrum, all the light that we can and cannot see, and the atmosphere blocks a 
lot of that ultraviolet light. So if we really want to get a clear picture and collect a lot of ultraviolet light, we have to get our telescopes above the Earth's atmosphere. Mm. And that's why you have to wear more sunscreen in space. (laughs) (laughs) Probably so. All right, let's get into some of these other lies, Patty. So please use an objective lens and tell us what lies you heard. So I did hear the mention of something called omega waves, which is not a type of light waves. And also maybe not quite a lie, but maybe a tell, is that we call that observatory the Yerkes Observatory. And I heard it pronounced Yerks. Very good. Okay, so let's ask Levi, how can your eye piece together the truth after all those lies? I don't know. Tell us about some of your fibs. So the LISA, the Linear Infrared Spectrum Anomaly, is a lie as far as I know. I just kind of came up with a bunch of scientific words that would equal LISA. (laughs) Okay, but I'm just saying, Patty, you could run with that. (laughs) Please do. I like it. The telescope that's called the, what is it, the Extremely... Oh, the Extremely Large Telescope. That is what it's going to be called. That's what it's going to be called, the Extremely Large Telescope. Very funny. Let's do some of these other ones. Who invented the radio telescope to detect radio waves? I believe that's Carl Jansky, who's a oh, radio. Yes. Mm-hmm. I said Hans Gruber. Yes, you said 1931. Very good. And one other thing. Patty, do you know this one? The scientific term to describe the smearing of colors by a telescope lens. Chromatic aberration. My gosh, really good lies, though, there, Levi. Too good, I guess, for Connor, yes. But anyway, we've come to the end of our show, but we can continue to reflect on all we've heard today. Thanks to our contestant, Connor, for his resolution to expose lies. Thank you to our expert and liar, Patty and Levi. And thanks to Lisa, who radioed all the great sounds. And, of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where we refract lies so we can magnify the truth. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on The Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And remember, kids, if you're going into space to put a telescope up there, please wear extra sunscreen, okay? (laughs) All right, thank you guys. Okay, let's all work together here. I, uh, ooh, uh, that's the end of the sentence. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, We help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.